Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 12 of Seeking Witchcraft. It's me, Ashley. And sorry guys, we're not doing a tarot episode today, as you can probably tell from the uh, title, but I have a really awesome episode plan. I actually have my high priest and high priestess here, and we are going to just talk a little bit about witchcraft, because they are definitely more knowledgeable than I am <laughs> in this topic. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and introduce them. Well, they're going to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Arlie. I am a gardenarian. I have been for about four years. Before that, I was practicing since 2001, um, just some eclectic witchcraft that had a very Wicca-based impression. Um, And yeah, so 2015, I began training much like Ashley has in a gardenarian at our court, was initiated in 2016, and have been HPS for about two years now. And I have been doing this the entire time with my now current Thai priest, Sassafras, who will now talk about himself. Hi, everybody. I'm Sassafras. I'm uh, a high priest in the Gardnerian tradition. I've been involved in various witchy slash occulty things since um, I think a lot of people are either like at 18 or at 13. It seems to be like the magical years, although some are before and some after. But anyway, um, yeah, I entered the tradition around the same time Orly did at the same time. Actually, we drove over together, <laughs> but um, we've been doing we've been doing the HPHPS thing um, not for an incredibly long period of time, but it's it's been an interesting and, and fascinating ride. And uh, it's been really rewarding uh, to uh, serve in that capacity and uh, indeed to see uh, Ashley doing her thing and uh, all of that. So I hand it back here. Cool. So um, one thing that you'll probably hear us throwing around a lot are the terms HP and HPS. So I think I have talked about this in tools and terms, but the the definition for that is high priest and high priestess. So HPS is high priestess, HP is high priest. Um, but you guys might be wondering, like, what is a high priestess? What's a high priest versus just a priest or priestess? So do any of you guys want to tackle that question? Sure. Which I say as I stare at Arlie in the face. Yeah, it's like, you know, there's no hard stare here. <laughs> um, and I think uh, a really good point also is when we were training you guys, you guys probably remember um, me kind of pulling you aside and asking, well, hey, sure, you want to become a Gardnerian witch, but what do you feel about the term priestess or priest? You know, there's still that very specific word that we use for a really good reason because you are doing a lot of work and a lot of what you are doing is in service of or in honor of the gods and a lot of people nowadays they don't really think too heavily on that so once you are initiated into the gardenarian tradition and you start calling yourself a priestess or a priest of the gods um you know, there is a lot of aspects that we have to work with in, in terms of knowing the gods that we're going to be not serving. It's a very harsh term. and A lot of people are turned off by that, but honoring and working with um, high priest or high priestess. Um, it kind of and this isn't even just Wicca or Gardnerian stuff, <clears throat> you know, in any tradition that you have that title with, 
you are then starting to actually represent sort of the gods or the particular goddess or the particular god in ritual. So while you have your priests and you have your priestess of whatever tradition you're in, the high priest and the high priestess, you know, you are worshiping them in real time and they are representing these specific gods. You're able to physically honor them and you're able to physically set your eyes upon them. And it's a it's a responsibility. It's a pretty big responsibility of a high priestess or a high priest because you have to learn these gods and you have to learn how to take a part of them into yourself and recognize that it's in a lot of us, you know, we all have aspects of divinity um, and not even to even get started in logistical aspects of running a coven and doing all that stuff but we could yeah good lord um but yeah i mean this in the spiritual aspect of it i think the 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 long story short is priests and priestess they do things in service of and in honor of their gods and high priests and high priestesses start to kind of take on the role of the impact that these gods have in this physical world and this physical worship um, so that being said, I'm a high priestess, so I'm coming from a very feminine perspective, um, and I'm not a high priest, so I wouldn't be able to <laughs> really explain as well as he oh. would about that is like. Yeah, so I want to jump in real quick. Um, so I haven't actually said this on my episodes, but because I am an initiated first degree, I am technically a Wiccan priestess. So uh, <laughs> fun fact there, guys. <laughs> but, surprise. <laughs> surprise. Um, but yeah, I'll give this back to uh, Sassafras. Well, and a thing to keep in mind about that is, uh, you know, why why would it be the moment that you're initiated, all of a sudden now you're a priestess, you're not just a witch, you're not just, why Why do that, why have titles, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it. I would say it's, it's an aspect of the tradition which is perhaps different or unique versus others. Uh, some have different levels of like, you're a dedicant or you're initiate, an initiate neophyte. and that's, or neophyte, that's your title as it were. Titles, I mean, it, that it's not really like a thing, like, you know, you wouldn't like, oh, Lord. Well, like the other day, you know, I made a, I mean, I, <clears throat> in serving as my role as high priest, I wrote up a document to try and have one of my, one of the members of my coven attend a religious event. And, you know, this person may or may not have been in school or serving some sort of function where such an excuse might be required. So it's like having to type that up, having to explain in a letter format to an administrator that this is serving a religious function and you know religious rights are recognized here and here and here so we're going to have to do that um it was kind of a, a maybe like a a, a wake-up moment of oh by the way you you're There's doing mundane responsibility here here you yeah. find yourself typing up this document because you have good reason to but uh, all of a sudden here you are this is yours so perhaps that's an element of living living of having a coven and interacting with a coven and serving as a leader in in a leadership capacity of that coven. Whereas it's a little different to just be out under the moon howling at it because you feel so much. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a different beast. And so that's one of the reasons why uh, a title here isn't the worst thing. So just, you know, kind of organically transitioning then, do you guys want to talk about what it's like to run a coven? Cause we're kind of, coming up on that that aspect yeah. here um so yeah so uh arlie and sassafras are my hp and hps so during my outer court training they were the ones telling me all the things to do <laughs> and to read and to consider um you know cracking the whip no i'm totally kidding <laughs> um yeah so they do have experience running an outer court not just with my installment of my outer court but they've run a couple before um and they've trained other people obviously aside from myself and before myself but yeah so they 
they've uh, done the thing. So if you're looking for a coven, this is some insider information, I suppose, on what it's like on the other side of the the glass or the table. I don't know. Other side of the altar. Other side, like, the hard side <laughs> of the altar. The hard side of the altar. So um, it is definitely a learning experience. Um, and I mean, as, as I mentioned before, we... Um, for you know, for any specific people listening, um, we've had definitely a unique experience coming into the gardening community and leadership. But that being said, um, yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize that, especially as leaders, there is a huge aspect on kind of delegating and facilitating having people get along like you know you're also in a position to make sure like look this might be a great tradition for you and this might be you know this is your home this is your spiritual calling but that doesn't mean that every single gardenerian coven is right for you so there's this huge responsibility also outside of you know learning the especially depending on your experience you know learning the you know the quote-unquote wicca 101 or the witchcraft 101 Excuse me, and every you know every outer court is different, every coven is different, and every, um, tradition. every tradition is different, so whatever you know tradition, whatever the tradition focuses on and they want to train you in is their thing, but there's a huge social dynamic of okay, do all of these different personalities mesh well in this particular outer court? How are they going to mesh with who who's already in the coven? Um, and we've, you know, in a very short amount of time, have had very challenging um, things happen where we've had very strong personalities and we've had to say yes, had to say no, either very gently or very strongly. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a huge responsibility of making sure that these vibes and these different personalities just work very well. And it's very hard to say no to people sometimes. Yeah. And it's also important to note that I know some covens won't even have their coven members meet the outer court until after initiation right absolutely meanwhile you're in a way kind kind of trying to shepherd the spiritual growth of someone who isn't yourself someone who has their own unique challenges in relating to the divine someone who has their own unique preferences and how they learn and what's going to work for them if someone is very very um really into to books, certain books, certain types of books, and you say, oh, that's awesome. I love that. Here's something that was written in the late 1800s. I want you to read this. And they say, I'm not really, oh my God, I've tried and I can't get into it. You have to find a way to either A, you know, can you get the same lesson? Is it even your lesson? In so many ways, the, the main thing that I have to say here is, in so many ways, how you learn as a solitary how you learn by yourself is really never going to fail you and never going to like back down from that. Even if you have teachers, if you find people that are that are going to take you on, you are going to learn the way that you learn. And it is important that not only that they recognize that, but also that you do your hard work. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, that means challenging yourself, challenging how you learn and trying other things and seeing, you know, experimenting with learning things um, in so many ways. Yeah, so that's actually a really good point. Um, So when you are going through a training for a coven, you know, you get the material to read, you can figure out the rituals to do, whatever, or like just to look over. But you actually have to go home and you actually have to practice doing it because there's a difference between being an armchair witch and, and actually being somebody who does the practice. So, you know, running a coven, 
you know, they can very well tell us exactly what to do. They can give us the tools, but it's up to us to actually go and practice them. Because if we don't do that, then we're kind of doing a disservice. Like, no. Oh, yeah, they'll know. <laughs> so, you know, that actually then leads into another great thing. I've, I've had some people kind of seem surprised when I say this, but, you know, even though I am Gardnerian, um, which is still kind of crazy to say, because <laughs> it was so recent some somewhat, um, uh, I still have a personal practice outside of Gardnerian. And the thing is, and this can, I'm sure, be for any tradition, you want to have a personal practice outside of whatever tradition or coven that you're in because that's how you're actually practicing and focusing on your skills. Absolutely. Um, you are never not doing your own thing. Uh, and your own thing doesn't have to necessarily be anyone else's own thing. It can be something completely unique to you. The real thing there is, what do you get out of it? What do you see in it? What attracts you to it? What inspires you? That's what this is really all about. Um, and so if you have a particular attraction to this deity, if you have a particular attraction to these particular words that you use, that's one of the coolest things in having an outer court was seeing at some point, you know, having everyone do a ritual demonstrate to us what their sort of ritual is have them write a ritual for the occasion all you know any any of this worked just seeing what people brought to the table seeing how people tapped into themselves in that way was an incredibly rewarding experience uh, cuz it's really you're opening yourself up out of your shell not everyone shares any details at all not just because it's not for anyone but you which is true but also because it's intensely personal um and that's that's a thing yeah, and I mean, there that made me think of a lot of things about how important that is because a lot. I think a lot of people, um, not so much nowadays, but I know when I was a wee little witchling, it, a lot of people, um, regardless of their experience, were very anti-coven. You know, a lot of people were like, "It's you know, I, I don't. I'm always going to be a solitary, and I don't." Da, 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 da. Um, and I was kind of like that for a while, to be honest. But I think, um, yeah, very long while. And um, I think nowadays, like you were mentioning. Um, how we, you know, had people do ritual in our court. And a really good example of that is I remember we had done a thing. Um, we had done a spell as outer court and we had done something that I had done many, 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 many times in my solitary practice, even before I considered gardenerian stuff. And because I had done that, you know, there was this really, it was very, it was a big moment for a lot of us. And it was a very, it was a very good working and, you know, I thought to myself, well, that that solitary practice, I, you know, I wouldn't be here really without that. And even when I go home from our coven meetings, my altar at my house, you know, is very different than altars that we use during our Gardnerian practice. And same. <clears throat> yeah. Mine's totally different. And a lot. Yeah. And I think I can definitely understand why people will be surprised by saying, oh, so you go and you do something totally different than you don't do guard every day. And it's like, no, I mean, I'm, I'm a gardener in every day of my life. But when I go home, if I'm not with my coven and I can definitely do some gardenerian things. But what I do is really based on what I was doing solitary for years. Um, and I still find a lot of power in that because of how long I had been doing it and it's what I'm comfortable with and I shaped it myself. But it's also been very interesting to have certain Gardnerian elements bleed into what I was doing for a long time and then also bringing some of those those traits and habits and spells and techniques that I picked up doing solitary work and putting that also into a Gardnerian crockpot, as it were, you know, adding a little bit of like my own flavor to my guard practice and adding the guard practice to my own flavor. It's been incredibly rewarding. So no, I mean, you can definitely be solitary 
and in a coven because you, you go home and you're always going to be by yourself. So I think it's really important to keep doing that. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of depressing. You're always going to be by yourself. I know, I got like dark. I'm sorry. We all die alone. No. Oh my gosh, jeez. Uh. Yeah, so you mentioned a good point about, you know, you're going to be by yourself. You need to build up your own practice, essentially. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, like everybody pretty much starts out as a solita- solitary practitioner, unless you are lucky enough that, you know, maybe your friend just immediately drags you into a coven. or Come ma- with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe, um, you know, your family happens to be involved in witchcraft. Like, Unless that's, you know, the case for you, most likely you are going to be solitary. So you are going to have your own practice anyway to begin with. And just because you join a certain tradition or a certain coven doesn't mean that that practice goes away. You still stick with it. Um, But speaking of practices, (laughs) so as a gardener in HP and HPS, uh, do you guys have any recommendations of things people should be doing in their everyday life if they are trying to be more in touch? So if you're thinking of somebody who's really starting out on their journey you know, just kind of getting their footing in into the witchcraft world, not even the Wicca world, just the witchcraft world, what would you say, like, they should do? Or is there anything that you guys personally do every day? Or maybe not even every day, just so you try to do. Uh, we're going to have to call out how, how lazy I've been getting. But no. Um, Don't be an armchair witch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first of all, breathe. And what I mean by that is I remember a lot in our outer court training is a lot of what we focus on was breathing techniques. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people be like, really? I'm like coming into this like tradition where it's all like magical. It's like the, the witchcraft that I've always wanted. You want me to breathe? Really? And I say that because um, I had this revelation actually when I was, I think like a first degree, which is a little, a little new little witchling. After I was initiated, um, (laughs) where a lot of coming into witchcraft or being trained by other witches, you're learning the magical side of everyday things. A lot of people forget just how powerful breathing can be. Um, so that being said, um, especially with someone with um, anxiety, which, you know, a lot of us can identify with, sometimes I forget to be mindful of my breathing. So a lot of what I do to help clear my mind and also focus um, is just to breathe, be mindful of your breathing. As long as you're focusing on doing that, that's something that if I'm out and I'm about to, let's say I'm going to go, uh, going to go, exactly, mm-hmm. going to do a ritual and I'm like, okay. I've put so much emphasis and so much power in my breathing. I don't have to spend 20 minutes meditating to get into that state. You know, I do it so often and I put so much meaning behind the mindful breath that it's a very triggering thing for me in a positive way because I just do it so often. Um, and little things like that. And Could you have an example? Like, what do you mean by breathing? So, <clears throat> um, one of the, there's different names for it, but the candy cane um, technique where, you know, it's in through the nose and you want to expand your stomach. You don't want to stomach breathe. Um, you don't want to expand with your chest. It's very constricting. Um, I remember before I even got into the spiritual aspect of this um, breathing technique, um, a therapist, actually, a really good one, had back in the day placed a book. She had me lie down and she placed a book on my abdomen or lower stomach. And she said, I want you to breathe and lift this book with your breath, because that will help you to assign where you're inhaling and where you're exhaling from. And then when I went into the spiritual practice, and this is one of the things that I was trained on, I'm like, oh my God, I know how to do that. Wow. Thanks, psychology. Um, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Ashley. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, um, the, there, and we, we use different names for it and it's not going to be the same name in every tradition and every belief. Um, but the candy cane breath or the stomach breathing that I was uh, speaking of helps to completely 
you know, take in that full breath and release it. And it's a very calming, um, I mean, we have things for like the nerve revitalizing breaths and the complete breath and this, that, and the third. So it doesn't matter what name you give it. Just learn how to breathe properly because it will help you physically, mentally, and spiritually and do it every day. (laughs) I want to say one thing about the breathing. I remember when I was going through the breathing exercises for outer court, I like made this joke and I was like, why do I need to breathe? I've lived my entire life. (laughs) Like I haven't died yet. Like I've, I've clearly been able to breathe for you know, 26 years. <laughs> so, yeah. One thing that I, I would always want to stress on folks that are just getting into it is to seek your wonder. Find things that fascinate you about the natural world, about the subject of magic. Find a way to get that enchantment into your life and 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 don't stop looking for it. The moment that this becomes a boring thing, the moment that this becomes something which is like droning to you, um, at least if you've been in it for a while, is is when the magic goes away. You have to find your wonder, and you have to continue to 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 search for it. If you find the the. If you're at the, the, top, the top of the stairs and you have that weird feeling, you know, going down into the basement, that weird, the hair is raising on the back of your neck, that's kind of like a doorway into that aspect of your own mind, which is not eternally mundane. Um, and I would say that you have to have to try and find that, have to try and like nurse that and get it to grow because um, – it it really applies a different lens to your psychology to get into this stuff. You start to see things that you didn't see before. You start to rationalize things in a way that you hadn't rationalized them before, um, which actually kind of bleeds into when you're just getting started. If you're sitting down, you have a you have something you want to do. You have something you want to affect in your life. You want to do a spell. You want to do some magic. You have to get. A lot of people are going to stress that you have to get into the right mindset and you must get into all of these things. When you're starting off, that's not so easy. When you're starting off, oh no, the thing you need to do is feel silly as hell. Oh yeah. You have to be waving your arms and feeling like a jackass and you're doing (laughs) the thing that – the most important thing is that you're you're using your will to do a physical action. And it's one of those things. A lot of people are kind of all wrapped up in I'm going to do – I'm going to do things entirely on the on the, on the the astral plane, and I'm going to travel into other destinies with my mind while I'm sitting on the bus. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if it's going to help you through a challenge, if it's going to get you through or past something. I would say doing something physically will have an effect on your psychology. Doing something with your body, with your hands, is going to have an influence on you. You're going to feel things that you weren't feeling if you weren't doing it physically. It's like the breathing. Breathing is a physical way to affect your psychology. The way that you breathe has an effect on your mind, and you're kidding yourself if you think otherwise. If you're really stressing out, washing your face in cold water will have an effect yep. on you. It will, I mean, it will physiologically cause your heart to beat ever so slightly slower. Five beats per minute, something like that. There's, there's some math for that somewhere. Um, Five beats per minute? Well, less lessens it by five beats. Oh, I was like, oh my goodness. It, it, I mean, it's it, no, no, it slows it down. Well, or you're in a. Well, keep in mind, like the first. Oh, sorry. Oh my. The first time that you do a spell, it's probably not going to feel organic. It's probably going to feel really weird because you know people don't really grow up like <laughs> you know waving a magic wand over an altar that has totally been created since you know birth. Or you, um, or you put it down, right? Or or at some point you kill your childhood and you put those things down. Yeah. Um. But yeah. one other thing too, because I think everybody struggles with this. 
so Sassafras mentioned about, you know, make sure you're doing this. If it makes you excited, do it. But I know a lot of people, myself definitely included, kind of like wax and wane with like their witchiness. Like some days they're like totally for it. They want to build their altar. They want to do a spell. They want to do all the things. And then other times it's like, eh, I'd, I'd rather not. Like, oh, I want to, but like, I don't really want to. Um, yeah, sometimes that, yeah, sometimes it does last year. Sometimes it just lasts the night. It it really depends. And it also depends on your environment. I found too. I mean, sometimes I'll be by myself and I'll want to do it, but I'll be like, eh. Well, that, that's kind of a really good thing about um, doing something habitually, and that's actually something that I really liked about the Gardnerian tradition because, you know, you're doing the same thing every time almost. You know, it, it's, it becomes muscle memory, and I've heard a lot of other witches um, from various traditions um, say that, you know, they'll go in some place and they'll smell a particular incense, mm-hmm. or they'll hear some music if you, if you play music in your rituals and your workings, or they'll, they'll, you know, see or experience something physically and it will immediately take them into this quote-unquote witchy mindset because if you're doing it all the time it becomes muscle memory so if you're doing you know breathings at certain times of the day like the you know during sunrise or sunset or if you're doing you know certain mantras or meditations or you know burning us and you do and you burn a certain incense every time you can set yourself up for these spiritual triggers later on your practice if you want to kind of have that little cheat code or that key as it were if you do want to get into a daily or a weekly or a monthly practice if you use the same things each time once you find what works for you because i you know you'll we will find out that there are certain incenses you don't like or there are certain you know stones that you don't like or there are certain environments you don't like doing meditations when it's raining you know you, you have to experiment a little bit but once you find something where you're like ooh, this hits something in me this time keep at that and journal just saying and record your observations exactly and and you can go back and say okay this unlocks my my witchy mindset this unlocks the moon phases especially yeah moon phases are a big one as well and you keep doing these things yep are there any features which seem to be present when you wax and wane exactly so if you yeah if you do want to get into any kind of daily practice just hold on to that and if you do it each time if you know that man there's a i really have to do this one spell or i really have to i really want to do something for the full moon tonight or i really want to do something for this sabbath but i'm just not in the right mood if you can go back and look at what activates that for you then do it and it'll it'll definitely be it'll be it'll become a muscle for you so and it's like it's the muscle is actually kind of like the psychic muscle sort of thing and how do you strengthen that and how do you well it's just like any other sort of like exercise as opposed to and of course this is an analogy it doesn't work out perfectly but uh when you meditate the first time you meditate it's not going to be simple it's not going to be easy (laughs) and you're going to beat yourself up and you're going to think you're doing it wrong And you're going to say, oh, but my mind wanders. Well, there are meditation practices where you allow your mind to wander, where you allow your mind to take you somewhere and see what you can glean from that. There are others where, no, 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 you need to empty yourself completely. You need to be able to find silence in yourself. All of these things are actually kind of an extension of your willpower. Can you make this happen in your mind? Can you do that? make this happen physically for the spell work, which is difficult? You feel silly waving your arms about. All of these things, if you can make it happen, happen it's it's going to ultimately help you um independently you know without all the trappings necessarily but it's it's still useful so you never mentioned what you do in your personal practice um i do well so you again you kind of find things that you find 
fascinating. Um, I am really, really into my dreams and dream work. Um, and so I will do a number of different things that I find to try and stimulate my dreams. I burn a number of herbs and things like that that can help with all of that. I have experimented with the very different, like sort of like brainwave style of recordings. I've been doing that since there were like, you know, tapes, like audio tapes, cassettes of that. Um, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And, and for me, I find that very rewarding. I get a lot out of my dreams, but that's because I've kind of worked at it. Um, and it's taken some time. Other than that, I mean, I, I like, I mean, oh, oh, God, I talk about my, 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 my house spirit stuff, and the, I'm like, that's the kitchen ghost. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, God, I need to burn some incense. The kitchen ghost it's is mad. Real. The, uh, the flickering that happens here, it's, it's, uh, I need to do something here. I need to appease I'm the, tea. well, and the first time when we first showed up, when we first came to the house, it's like the, okay. we came into the house and the, Everyone was having nightmares. Everything was very off. Things were, like, kind of unsettled. I mean, and having a relationship with the spirits of your house, with the spirits of an area, uh, you know, all of a sudden it feels like you may have jumped into the deep end. But actually, no. Some of the people that are most in touch with spirits have been people that do not find or seek out formal training. They're, they're just doing oh, their yeah. thing. I think it's a human thing. Humans yeah. have relationships with spirits, whether we recognize There's it or meat not. Uh, meet spirits. <laughs> It's the spirit of the butcher's block. Oh and uh, no. Well, I mean, so like... That cow's going to haunt you. <laughs> until I made peace with the house ghost, and once I had, I mean, you, you do things. You do things that make sense to you. I poured it a cup of tea. I had tea with the house ghost, which seems a little... I mean, you can imagine someone walking into the kitchen. There I am with the, with my tea, and there's some other tea over there. It's like I'm a dumb supper, kind of. Burning some, burning some tobacco and kind of having a conversation with the house. <laughs> Let's let let's let's figure out something that can work for us, that can work for you. Let's let's be friends. Uh, it's far better to take your enemies and make them friends than leave them that way. All right, so we're just about at thirty minutes. Um, but one thing that's asked for us also is really into that he did not mention is books. So <laughs> he is very 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 into books. So I've given some suggestions for beginners for Wicca and witchcraft books. I said. I mean, if you don't have any suggestions, it's fine. But my suggestions were Scott Cunningham, you know, Wickford Solitary, Solitary Practitioner, and the um, Modern Book of Witchcraft, I think it is, by Sky Alexander, Alex- I don't know, something like that. Um, do you happen to have any, like, even just one book you would recommend to anybody if they're brand new starting out? Well, it, this kind of turns into what inspires you, that sort of thing. Are you looking for information about specific... Just, just any, like, if somebody's just brand new in Wicca or witchcraft, what's, like, one book you could be like, this might interest you? Well, I, I think that always mythology is is the, the number one place you should go. You should always look and read stories of the myths and find alternate myths and find myths that are not compatible Read your mythology, whatever whatever particular culture you're interested in, whatever god or goddess you're interested in, whatever entity you're interested in. If you're fascinated by the Titans, seek out their stories. Use your methods to find this information because it's not necessarily blatant. It's not necessarily sold everywhere. Um, and and one, of the, one of the best things about these myths is that you actually kind of – with the internet, you don't need to buy books. Um, you can you can do this for free. You can find information about this particular titaness. You can find information about Gaia. You can find information about um, there, there's star lore. If you look up at the sky and you're fascinated by a particular star, 
you can find out information about that star. You can find out what it's called, how it was named this, what the uh, various different cultures called this star, what it meant to them. Uh, for me, all of these things, when you can see witchcraft in the natural world and it inspires you, that's awesome to me. Um, and so I would do, you know, by the same token, you can do herbal lore, you can do tree lore, things that you find physically that fascinate you, um, look into that. As far as books for that, well, if you want a book for the, um, oh Lord, I've forgotten the author's name, so it ruins everything. I believe it's <laughs> called like Star Lore. Ah. Uh, it's okay. I've ruined it. I've we all, ruined we it all have access to Google. Well, yeah. it's 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 like Star Lore and something. I understand. Yeah. Um. So I had to plug this and make a little jab. Um. I'm about to piss off all the gardenarians everywhere, but I swear <laughs> by this book. Um. It is Wiccan Magic by Raven Gramassi. I said it. Uh, I'm kidding. But um, no, if you want to know um, some really just no nonsense, like what's going on in Wicked Magic as the, as the title portrays, um, that's a very good book. And he was also one of the first authors that I read when I was first getting into this, where he explains not just the, oh, do this, that, that, and that, but why. He explains why to a lot of the the, the very important concepts. Um, a second book for any of our... Um, you know, young, young folk uh, who are getting into a Wicca or witchcraft. Um, I also swore by this book when I was younger. It is um, by Ellen Dugan, and it is Elements of Witchcraft, Natural Magic for Teens. Um, I am an adult. I will not put my age out there, but um, I'm an adult now. <laughs> um, and I still, every now and then, if I'm having one of those waxing and waning moments where I'm just like, oh, I'm just not feeling the magic right now, I remember the influence that book had on me. And I'll just go back and thumb through it because it is really, really, really good, especially if you have an interest in the elements. So, yeah. It's a Star Names, Their Lore and Meaning by Richard Hinckley Allen. Um, <laughs> I mean, aside from that, the things that I read starting off was I found a number of different grimoires and things like that because I found the, the subject interesting. I mean, the, the history of magic is, is really fascinating. Um, so if you, can, if you can stomach to read some of these Victorian texts that were written at the turn of the century, um, some background is always useful. Background will never fail you. It is always useful to flesh out because uh, then you know. <clears throat> Okay, cool. Well, we definitely went over 30 minutes, but that's totally fine. Not by much. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on. Yes. Yes, thank you. I love your podcast. I'm fangirling right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, yeah, I think one important takeaway from this – well, I mean, there's a bunch of different takeaways. But one definitely, definitely important one is that even if you're an HP or HPS, you can absolutely still wax and wane with your <laughs> um, <Yes>. witchy <laughs> motivation. It is absolutely a thing. Everybody goes through it. Um, we're only human. Yeah, we're only well, we're witches, but you know, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're only witches. So, all right, any any last words? Uh, no. Never, never stop trying to grow and improve yourself. I mean, even if you find yourself, you know, in in a in a role where you're a leader over other people, if you ever abandon yourself to that role, eventually, your you know, the spirit is going to die, and your students are going to learn that they're going to yeah. see it. Yeah, don't don't overwhelm yourself. Just do magic, man. <laughs> don't overwhelm yourself. <laughs> don't confine yourself. Just do it. <laughs> All right. Well, you've heard it straight from the HP and HPS's mouth. <laughs> All right. Oh, thanks, God. guys, for listening. And I will talk to you guys in a couple weeks. See ya. Oh, one more thing. One more thing. Um, so I said this in my last podcast, but I have made a Facebook page. <laughs> so if you just look up Seeking Witchcraft on Facebook, um, I post, you know, like memes and 
<laughs> you know, information about this podcast. Also, if you're listening to this on Spotify, this podcast recently got published on Apple Podcasts, which is super exciting. Yay! Yay. <laughs> so you can hit me up on there or listen to me there if it's a little bit easier for you, whatever works. Um, but yeah, as always, I'm on Twitter at Seek Witchcraft. I'm on Facebook as Seeking Witchcraft. And I made an Instagram too. I'm not really using it that often because I don't even have an Instagram in my personal life. So fun fact. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.